Henry VII and royal finances. How successfully did Henry VII restore royal finances? Henry was aware of the importance of strong finances if he was to secure the throne. They would allow him to raise forces to put down unrest and, on his death, provide his son with the resources to fight any challenger. Henry attempted to achieve strong royal finances in three ways. Number one, reorganise financial administration. Number two, exploit sources of ordinary revenue. And number three, increase income from extraordinary revenue. However, there were difficulties associated with such policies. Most notably, attempts to increase income would face opposition from those who were forced to pay, particularly as the king was expected to live off his own. This difficulty had already been exposed in the Yorkshire and Cornish tax rebellions. Despite this, it was evident that changes had to be made, as in the first year of his reign, he received only £11,700 from his lands, whereas Richard III had received £29,000. Such was the poor financial situation that he had to take out loans to pay for his coronation and marriage, and in 1487 there was not enough money to pay for celebrations at Windsor for the Feast of St George. To what extent did Henry change financial administration? During the Middle Ages, monarchs had used the Exchequer to administer crown finance. Its role had been to receive and pay out money and audit accounts. However, it was slow in both collecting money and auditing accounts. Edward IV had replaced it with the chamber system, which was more flexible and informal and had allowed him to exert greater control over finance. When Henry came to the throne, he had reverted back to the exchequer, but by 1487 he had realised its limitations and began to restore the use of the chamber system, so that by the 1490s it had returned to its central role of managing crown lands, managing feudal dues, managing the profits from justice and managing the French pension. This meant that it handled all income except customs duties, which remained under the Exchequer. The change also meant that the King's Privy Chamber underwent changes, with increased importance for the Treasurer of the Chamber and officials such as the Gentlemen of the Bedchamber. As a result of these developments, Henry had a much closer control of his finances. So how successfully did Henry exploit his financial resources? Kings had two sources of income, the ordinary and extraordinary revenue. Ordinary revenue came in yearly from crown lands, customs and profits from justice and feudal dues, although the amounts varied. Meanwhile, extraordinary revenue was not regular and was usually raised only in times of need from taxation or in times of emergency from borrowing. Ordinary Revenue 
The most important source of ordinary revenue was crown lands. Henry not only maximised his income from existing lands, but also increased the amount of land the crown held, so that estimates have suggested it was five times larger at the end of his reign than under Henry VI. This was achieved through the 1486 Act of Resumption and seizure of land from those declared traitors, the attainted. As a result, income from Crown lands rose from £29,000 on the death of Richard to £42,000 by 1509. However, in order to avoid antagonising the nobility, Henry did not take back all the lands to which he was entitled. Perhaps the greatest success in this area was the Duchy of Lancaster, as Henry was able to use skilful management to increase the income from its lands tenfold. Not all of Henry's financial policies were a success. Under Edward IV, customs duties had brought in about £70,000 per annum, and although by the end of his reign they were still providing a third of the ordinary revenue, the average income had dropped to £40,000. Henry did try to imitate Edward's methods, but smuggling was a problem, and the income from trade depended heavily upon the relationship between European powers, which Henry was unable to control. The profits from justice varied from year to year, but Henry certainly did his best to exploit the system, causing some to claim after his death that he charged some subjects with crimes merely to be able to find them. However, even if this was not true, the king often punished by fines rather than imprisonment, as in the case of the Cornish rebels or the Earl of Northumberland, who was fined £10,000 for raping a royal ward. Income from feudal dues rose dramatically during Henry's reign. He was determined to enforce these rights, and fully exploited income from wardship and marriage, livery and the fine of relief. The consequence was that income rose from under £350 per annum in 1487 to over £6,000 in 1507. The final area of ordinary income were bonds and recognisances. Extraordinary Revenue The most frequent source of extraordinary income came from parliamentary taxation, and although Henry was determined to increase his revenue, he did not misuse this source or means of raising money. The Yorkshire and Cornish rebellions showed how unpopular taxation was, and Henry was therefore cautious in his demands. He asked for money from Parliament only in exceptional circumstances, such as for defeating Simnel or resisting the Scottish invasion in support of Warbeck. However, the amount collected varied, and because the sums levied were based on out-of-date assessments of wealth, they did not bring in the amounts they should have done. As a result, Henry never successfully tapped the wealth of the country. In times of emergency, Henry could ask his wealthy subjects for loans, and although it is estimated that this brought in £203,000 during his reign, 
he had little choice but to repay those he owed. However, benevolences were slightly different, as these were forced loans where there was no repayment. On these occasions, subjects were asked to help the king as a sign of their support at a time of crisis and was used in 1491 to raise money for an expedition against France, bringing in £48,500. Although it was effective, the method could not be used on a regular basis as it would provoke resentment. Henry was also able to raise money from the church in a number of ways. The church would often make a contribution when Parliament had granted the king money, and this happened in 1489 when the church raised £25,000 towards the expedition to France. However, Henry also used less justifiable methods to extract money. He sold church offices, charging £300 for the Archdeaconry of Buckingham, and towards the end of his reign left bishoprics vacant so that he could claim the revenue, making over £6,000 per annum from this. Two other forms of extraordinary revenue also helped to swell Henry's income. Feudal aid, the result of the king being the chief feudal lord, was levied on special occasions, and this was done on the knighting of Prince Arthur, which brought in £30,000, and on the marriage of his daughter Margaret to James IV of Scotland. Lastly, the French pension, which had been negotiated as part of the Treaty of Etaples in 1492, brought in an annual income of about £5,000. Henry certainly made the most of all methods and means available to improve his income, to the extent that he has been accused of being greedy. However, he also spent money in order to maintain a lavish court, well aware of the importance of creating an image of power to dissuade potential challengers to the throne. The crown certainly needed to restore its income if it was to recover its prestige but Henry may have exploited some of the methods to excess and by the end of his reign might have alienated the nobility to the extent that they would challenge his authority. Despite this, crown income had risen to about £113,000 per year and restored the solvency of the crown, giving it greater freedom of action. However, even if this is viewed as a success it should be remembered that the income of the French king was about £800,000 per annum.